Are you looking for authentic community? Are you looking for spiritual revival? Are you looking for something different than what you have experienced in your life before? Well, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, welcome to the Way Niagara podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Berta. Today, we're going to be taking a break from our discussion on the book, What if Jesus was serious about the church to have a conversation with some church leaders that really have powerful stories and impactful perspective? So let's go to Chris. All right. Today I'm recording at our home studio uh, with two very important men in my life and a new friend. We'd like to introduce you to Ed McKay. Good evening, afternoon, morning, wherever you are. (laughs) Randy Cox. Hello there. And uh, homegrown Smithville boy, James Zanting. Hello. What, what? Yes. (laughs) I'm very excited for you to join our podcast today. And um, we're going to just kind of touch into discipleship. But I wanted to just invite uh, you to hear more about Randy Cox um, and his church plant. I know a lot of you are on this church planting journey with us. And so I'm going to turn the floor over to him to just kind of walk through the call, the desire, and how he implemented the past, what's it been, 20 years? 27. 27 years. Uh, from his desire to plant to where he is now. And it's quite the journey, so I want you to, uh, to really just enjoy uh, what he's got to share. It was in June of 1995 when I'm speaking and getting ready for an evening service at the church I was pastoring at the time. Praying, pacing behind the couch, and out of the blue came this plant a church in Burks Falls. Wow. So I really, I said, and I'm not I'm joking, I'm not joking when I say this, but I said, God, I don't think you know where Burks Falls is. I've been there, but I don't think you have. <laughs> and, and to give our uh, West Niagara listeners uh, an idea of how far that is, how long is the drive from, say, Grimsby, Smithville to Burks Falls? Uh, it's about three, three and a half, somewhere around there. Yeah. Hours or so. So it's about a little bit outside. Two of and a half hours north of 401 and the 400. That's right. So it's out there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that was in June of, of 95. And then I really had to be sure hmm. because like, I did not want to go to Burks Falls. Yeah. So we ended up going in September 96. Started. Had four great years. Then we hit a bump in the road, which I think has to happen. When I look back on it, it was the best bump we could have ever hit. So we had really uh, about 40 people walk out one Sunday. But this is the crazy part about that, is that just before that week I was about to, to speak uh, that message on that Sunday, I got a knock on the door. Mm. And this guy came and he looked at me and he almost put his finger in my face and he said, pray over every word because this will be the most important message you preach in your life. And I was speaking on the hearts of the fathers and the sons of the fathers, uh, Malachi 4.6. Yeah. So we, I got up and I, I spoke that, and when I finished, 40 people left. Uh, and we were a four-year-old church plant. And so that was they were all my leaders, mm. except one. Wow. And so we really got hammered. Mm. And for two years, it was a, it was a tough go. But that shaped us incredibly. Mm-hmm. Now, I could tell you the whole story. Do you want to hear the whole story? 
<laughs> oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it gets a little crazy. But here we were, two years down the road, after they left, I, I'm ready to pack it in uh, several times because hmm. it was just difficult. Yep. It was difficult. Yep. And one day I was driving to pick up one of my boys, and I heard the Lord say, I want you to dance. <laughs> I thought, oh, no. <laughs> What's this about? <laughs> so I went home, and I slept, and I got up the next morning, and he said, I want you to dance. Huh. And I said, why? He said, go to Second Samuel chapter 6. Read it. It was a story of David when he brought the ark in mm -hmm. and he was dancing before the Lord and, and his uh, wife, Micaiah, mm -hmm. was mocking him. And the very last verse in that chapter, I think it's verse 23, it says, she was barren, she could have no children. Mm -hmm. And that was us. I mean, wow. We were barren, we couldn't, it was just terrible. Yeah. So I told everybody that Sunday morning that this is what the Lord said, he wants us to dance. So they did. They just... They went. Well, that was over. We left another week of me struggling, trying to, am I going to keep going? Mm -hmm. Well, the next Saturday night, I got another message from the Lord. I want you to dance. I said, but we did that last week. Mm -hmm. So the next morning, I woke up, and again, here it was. Why? Yeah. Go to the story. So this time, I want you to be even more undignified. Well, I, had, I said, God, I don't know what that means. I don't know what the more undignified means. Mm -hmm. So that Sunday we went, and now this is where it gets a little crazy. We went that Sunday. My wife was leading worship. Mm -hmm. I told the people, Lord said dance again, so we did. My wife was leading worship, and as she was strumming, we got to some intimate worship, and she put her guitar down, and she looked at me, and she said, can I have this dance? Oh, that, I was, that one just, it, I didn't know what to do with that. She walked over to me, and she started slow dancing with me right in the middle of the worship. Now, that's a little bit crazy. I know. Some of you might think it's nuts, but yeah, that's what happened. And she doesn't really do stuff like that. She's not. No, she doesn't really do stuff like that. Wow. But she was, of course, raised uh, Anglican, and so she knew how to dance. But I was raised Pentecostal. I didn't know. We weren't allowed to dance. <laughs> no. <laughs> of course, that was a skin. So, <laughs> so then, as we were dancing, I was gritting my teeth going, what are you doing? What is going on? And right in the middle of that, it dropped into my spirit. This is the more undignified, and it's called humility. Mm. And wow, did I get whacked over the head with that one by the spirit. Yeah. And so I went home that day, and that night I got a phone call from a couple that had left two years previous. Yeah. And they said, we need an appointment with you. We've got to talk to you. So they came over, and I spoke with them. They said, we're so sorry what we did we just finished it was john bevere's book called undercover we were so sorry we were not right he said to me when i was a kid we would go home and every sunday we would have roast pastor that's what happened in our home mm. and so that's how he thought that's what he yep. thought was to happen so they said what do you want me to do we'll do anything you want us to do we'll go for counseling i said i just want you to come back and the same way, uh, you left without a blessing, but when you come back, I want you to share your story. We want to welcome you back, and we want to bless you and pray with you. So they did. He shared, and then Deb and I went up. We welcomed them back. We prayed with them. And then one by one, every person that was still there went, welcomed them back, hugged them, and wept. The whole place was an hour That's of weeping fantastic. and restoration mm -hmm. and healing. And from that point on, we have not been barren. Wow. 
God has done some incredible things. Yeah. So that's just one of those stories where when you're planting, wow. But the biggest thing about that is then two years later, okay, think back to the word from Malachi mm-hmm. 4, 6, which is the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. Mm-hmm. So God wants to do a healing in generations. And so I was putting an addition on my home. And I brought a, one of our young guys, his name was Johnny. And he worked for a company, so we were going to do it after work. Mm-hmm. And he would come over, and we'd come over on Monday nights. But in the middle of all that, somebody by the name of Tony Santing <laughs> called me and said, what's, you know, what's going on or what's happening in Berks Falls? Our pastor, we go to Lake Mount, and now... You know, we're, we're up here, we've bought our resort, and we've got to find a church. So he started coming. Mm-hmm. And the very first Sunday that he was at our new facility we had just built, he walked to the front and he laid on the floor crying out for his oldest son to come back home to Jesus. Wow. What happened then, James, with all that? Like, that's that was you. <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, that's the father's perspective, so mm-hmm. keep going. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so then James came back, and then his brother Peter, and they were coming to our house on Monday nights. So Peter, James, and John on a Monday night, and I would cook for them, and we would do work, and we talked, and we talked, and it grew, and it grew till thirty-five. I don't know, thirty-five, you had a dream. forty. You had a dream before this. I did. Yeah, the Lord told you about young people. Well, that was that was, for young adults. No, that wasn't that. Oh, that, was that was that was after. Yeah. Okay. So, we we started then serving. Every Monday night, I cooked. I had two massive barbecues, hmm. and I cooked for 25, 35, 40 young adults, and they'd wow. be crammed in our living room. Fantastic. And all different churches. All different churches from all over the place. And it wasn't until a few years later when I looked back and I thought, oh, that was. When he came to me, the, the prophetic guy, and said, pray over every word because it's going to be the most important message you preached in your life. I thought it was for those people, but it wasn't. It was for setting the destiny of our church, Come on. of legacy. Yep. And I looked back and I thought, wow. It just, it, it's just incredible. Yeah. Just incredible. Absolutely. So like the, the theme of our podcast today is discipleship and... Uh, we're going to get into that more now. And obviously, um, what you're talking about, opening your house, firing up the barbecue, to me, that is the easiest form of discipleship. I mean, when we serve with our inflatable impact here in Niagara, we blow up a bounce castle. That's probably the second easiest because it takes a lot of labor. But man, do people come for that. Same deal with the barbecue. As soon as they smell that meat, they're coming, right? They're coming for that, for that meat. That's right. So... Discipleship doesn't have to be a program-driven thing in a church building. In fact, it's least likely going to show up there. Where we find discipleship happening is in our homes, in the marketplace, wherever uh, the believers of Christ who are intentional, intentional in intersecting the community around them, engaging the community with honesty, integrity, and authenticity. God's going to honor that sacrifice of time and start to show those people hey this guy's interested in me he actually has answers that i've been wondering and he represents something that's missing in my life 
or something that maybe they have maybe but at a very light gentle level like their, their faith is just something that they do on Sunday and here you are inviting them to explore faith on Monday come on you don't do that right <laughs> <laughs> yeah the great thing about discipleship is that uh, the disciples were disciples before they were even born again yes yeah yes. that's I love that yep I love it and the, the thing that I think uh, where where we really gravitated to was the the fathering and the sonship yeah. as our discipleship model yeah. so walking through life together mm-hmm. through whatever comes and whatever takes mm-hmm. place so that's that's great very cool so uh, you haven't got to hear much from Ed yet, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to let Ed jump in here now. Yeah, I, I um, wholeheartedly what you're talking about. The the so it's almost like a hands-off program. You're just living life and doing life together, and uh, especially in the marketplace. I was just thinking today. You know, I always ask the Lord when I'm going into my workplace. Um, there are 12 people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at my workplace and they some of them have a inkling of who Jesus is and some of them are just you know they just don't even want to hear but um, the, the discipleship that happens or the pastoral care yep. that happens in my workplace yep. blows my grid like I'm just <laughs> so uh, yeah. astonished by um, what happens when um, because I've just spent time loving on people listening to their stories and listening to their lives and even today, you know, um, somebody who had, who had something just um, very traumatic for them and you could tell the anxiety and everything that was on them and just sitting and listening to them and then encouraging them, mm-hmm. um, there's there's something that gets imparted yeah. from the Lord to them. So they go, I'm going to come back to that or I'm going to come back to you to talk more. And it builds, it builds a trust, it builds a, a care system within the culture of my workplace is kind of what's happened over the last uh, 10 years or so. Um, So people always know, and they'll, you know, it's funny, they'll use church terms like, hey, Pastor Ed, can you help me with, (laughs) and you know, it's something in the workplace, but but when I go to help them with something to do with work, conversations always happen. So there's always that um, opportunity where, where the whole, you know, asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to say and what, does this person need to hear so it's it's a word in season for them yeah. and uh so i've seen some just some great prophetic things happen that way yeah. so yeah like you say you know the conversation is that we discipleship isn't a program it's not something that you go okay if we've got these you know necessarily these three things in place then that that's discipleship yeah. and that can be for some places but you know the I think in my experience, um, especially with Randy and Debbie and the whole uh, Burke's, Fall, uh, Burks Falls gang, like it's, 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 there's a culture yes. that gets created. Yes. Um, and like Randy and Debbie have, they've laid down their lives yeah. to go, what, what do these people need? What do you want to do? What do you want to say? And I've exp- my wife and I and our son Dakota have experienced firsthand the love of God, mm-hmm. the care of God through Randy and Debbie and their church uh, on, on more than one occasion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and like, and, you know, just our, again, on the, 
different aspects of, you know, it's, sometimes it's a hands-on, sometimes it's kind of a hands-off discipleship. Um, like with music and with with uh, Debbie and Betty's leadership in worship, I always go, like, you know, several months ago, Randy said, oh, you're coming up, come on, we're going to get you on guitar. And I go, if I can hang around with that crew, I know they're going to impart something of the life of God to me. Cool. And so I always, and, and I always go up and, again, you get amazed by what the Holy Spirit is doing yes. uh, in you and can do through you, but also receiving on the other end is... Uh, I end up being a better player yeah. when yeah. I'm with them. I go, that's just, I didn't practice that, but being with them yeah. has stirred up something yeah. that I wasn't even aware of. And so, um, you know, it shocks me, but, it, you know, to have it happen to me. But then I, you know, it also shocks me when, it, when I'm waiting on the Lord and, and imparting something to somebody else yeah. in my workplace. So, yeah, lots of we call. I'm going to teach our home group uh, pastors that... Uh, to create a culture of discipleship, it takes 50% building trust and 50% encouragement. And between the two of you guys, you both said building trust with them, encouraging them. Yeah. I find that that's, that's the case. If you want to build a culture of discipleship where people are coming and wanting to, to hear what you actually have to say and value the teachings that you're bringing them, you have to build trust. And we're in an era where trust, trusting the church is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Trusting the guy at the barbecue is very easy, <laughs> right? Yeah. But also, just bringing in a very authentic and encouraging uh, message, um, speaking into situations, because everyone right now is going through something. Mm-hmm. It's m- mental health, physical health, social anxiety. We're in an, a, an era here in Niagara where um, the number one desire for, for the Canadian Association of Mental Health to see built up is dealing with loneliness. Well, disciple-making community, you're going to engage them. Yeah. The loneliness is going to disappear. Yeah. You know? And part of that is encouraging them to get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? That's mm-hmm. great. So, a lot of people that listen to our podcast are just either starting out in, in their disciple-making journey where they themselves are discipling someone or they're just started to come into our groups I uh, started to learn kind of um, about the church, uh, how Jesus saw the church, what the ecclesiological minimums are, if that you can understand that word. So basically things that we do that make us the church. Um, for you, Ed, what are, say, three of the most important things that happen in your life that make you feel like this is the church? Not necessarily in a building, but where you're engaging people in the workplace or in your family or, or however. What are, what are three of the core dynamics that you go, when, I, when this is happening, I know that this is the church? Yeah, relationship. Yeah. Communication. Oh, come on. And, um, and I think even just with those, uh, communication is huge. And articulating, um, what are my needs? Yeah. No, people don't know you unless you you can say, you know, I, I, this is what my need is. Like people, we can't read each other's minds. Yeah. Uh, we may understand some of uh, uh, we have different personalities, but but we have different needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, I think articulate being able to communicate uh, with someone and having open and honest dialogue mm-hmm. and saying these are my needs. Yeah. Um, 
for, for me to tick, for me to really uh, um, be myself or you to really get to know me mm. um, and my brokenness yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my, uh, my need for uh, affirmation, my need for uh, just a listening ear, mm. my need uh, for, for somebody to just go, hey, let's go get coffee because my personality type is I'm very introverted. I mm. I live inside my head, and so um, living with uh, a wife who's n- who is <laughs> super not no, super introverted. Not. Uh, I have learned uh, over the 33 years of marriage how to um, articulate my needs and reckon. Mm. And again, it's it's knowing who you are, yeah. finding out who you are, and finding out this is what I need in order to tick. Yeah. This is what I need in order to live in community. And um, and, that, and that security, that culture of I, no matter what, I'm loved, I'm cared for, mm-hmm. even in my stupidity, <laughs> in my um, awkwardness, or oops, I, that was that was awkward, and I shouldn't have said that. You know, I think living in a culture and a community yeah. like that um, helps me to thrive uh, as a person. And I think Lori would say the same thing. Um, you know, communication is key. Mm-hmm. and um, articulating to people uh, this is what I need and and not thinking that they know because if you think that oh well they just they should know this you know that just will lead to a, a whole train wreck of um, bitterness and again more mental health issues yeah <laughs> if yeah. you start down that down that track of right. um, thinking that people should know this and they should mm-hmm. know me better and uh, when you haven't yourself articulated yeah. what you need to people. So I think for me and um, Laurie, there's there's some key things with communication Beauty. That, would, that help. That's fantastic. I think that's so important, especially if you're listening to this and you're, you know, you're a leader of a group or a leader of people. You can almost never over-communicate, right? Yeah. I feel sometimes guilty of you know, sending out too many emails or checking in too many times or even under communicating i feel like you should know this right i honestly think you can't over communicate because people miss that uh that first communication sometimes yeah uh, things get busy yeah we just we decided to just do it anyway over communicate yeah and um not worry about the response because you're just trying to again you're trying to let people know this is my heart this is what I'm going through. This is what I need. You're my friends. And so I'm letting you know, and I know you're, you're great friends. So you're going to, you're going to check in on me. You're going to come by, you're going to put a hand on my shoulder. You're going to love me through this crisis and uh, other things like that. That's building a great culture, a great community, um, culture of love and care and honesty with people. Very cool. James, what would you say, um, when it relates to the church is the most ex- the thing that gets you the most excited these days oh well that <clears throat> I should uh, I should answer that by saying that's a very personal question yeah and I think everybody's answer is going to be different for sure to what they what they love and these days I need I need the presence of Jesus mm-hmm I need to see him in action. Yeah. I need to know that there are things that couldn't have been orchestrated 
without him orchestrating them. Relationships orchestrated, situations orchestrated. Yeah. Um, talking in, in terms of discipling people or being discipled, I like to see how Jesus knits the relationships together. Yeah. He brings certain people in certain paths. That's right. And I want to keep my eyes open to see what what's next. Where are you working? Mm-hmm. And what am I? Who have you given me, or who am I supposed to be connected with? And then watch what Jesus does. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I think that that's one of the most genuine things is being allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you into relationship with others, and to be open to the idea that there probably isn't a coincidence when you bump into somebody yeah. at a mm-hmm. conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who then a year later is bringing someone that was like your neighbor growing up as a kid that you hadn't met yep. you know and here we are at this podcast recording uh, there is no coincidence no. this is Jesus at work yeah. um, his kingdom is tight knit and, and it's a coalition right we're working together to achieve a goal and that goal is to see others brought to Jesus so that they might find the hope and eternal salvation that we you know, are so excited about right and um Oh, I love that you answered that way. <laughs> I, I can share a story. Bear hunting. Yeah, bear hunting. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, snowmobiling and uh, quadding. And, <laughs> that's my favorite bear part. Bear hunting. Uh, Randy, I'm going to give a hard one to you because you're like the seasoned veteran here. Yeah. What would you say is, you can pick whatever number you want, but let's start with the top two things that the church does today. And we'll, this is just a broad stroke. I'm not talking about your church or my church or Ed's church or, or anyone's church. The church in general, the institution, the, the club, what are two things that need to change in order for the church to see success in five years? Number one, the competitive nature Come on. of the church. Yes. I heard a story just recently of a, they don't have their own building, but they wanted to use a part of another church. Mm-hmm. And the pastor came out and he said, I'm not going to let you use this. I'm intimidated by you. Wow. They were his words. And it's the a competitive, insecure nature of many people. So not so good. You know, say, oh, that's good. And they walk around. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> so encouraged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's a free coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the thing about it is, is that people often don't like to get dirty. Yep. When it comes to relationship. That's right. They don't want to have to go through the pain, the struggle, uh, the difficulties of relationship. Yeah. But it's like I'll, I'll say to people all the time, like, I'm with you for the rest of your life. Now, you can leave whenever you want, but I'm with you for the rest of your life. I love that. And our number, like our number two core value at, at Legacy is non-negotiable relationships. And so I believe that, number one, is the competitive nature that has to go, is it's not God's nature, it's not Holy Spirit, and there needs, and we were talking on the way down about there needs to be a unity. Mm-hmm. There needs to be this oneness between churches. Yes, there does. That will, they can drop everything yep. and not have to, to be the one leading. Mm-hmm. Why can't you sit on the second seat? I'd love to. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so... Yeah, they would be the two things I would think for, in my mind is is this shallow relational dynamic mm-hmm. and 
I think you know hockey players have more of a relationship than many people in the churches. Come on. And so, yeah, it's that competitive nature. Yeah. And shallow relationships have to change. Yeah. So I've been dreaming a lot and studying more on this idea of a of a new apostolic reformation coming to the church, which is where the apostles are re- returning. We for years lived in a pastor-driven culture where we feed our sheep, we feed our sheep, we feed our sheep. But now there are men like yourselves rising up who are, I've come to disciple the sheep that they can disciple others and feed others. And then I can release those sheep. That's where this you lose your competitive edge because you're sending people out. Mm-hmm. And that's, I believe, the call of an apostle is to send others out, to equip them and to send them out. And I want to hear more about 1172. Okay. I want to hear more about what excites you about sowing into young leaders and old leaders. <laughs> but I want to hear more about how you feel that apostolic reformation is starting, especially at Legacy. Yeah. So 1172 is a network of business, pastors, uh, community leaders that we started in 2018 but it came out of a dream that i had in october 23rd 2003 so a long time in between but uh, and and i knew so i pastored a church for a year and at the end of the year i said god what have i got myself into mm-hmm. i don't fit this but i had no other understanding so i was given a book called complete new wineskins by harold eberly which is all about the five gifts yep. that Jesus gave the church in Ephesians 4. Yes. So he gave these to the church. So apostolic life is, we don't even have to necessarily name it because it happens so organically. It happens so uh, fresh. And I mean, one of my, like, I was excited coming down here. I just wanted to come and see you. Yeah. Uh, no, the podcast <laughs> was the bonus. Yeah. But I wanted to see what's God doing here. Yeah. Because I love that. I love coming alongside anybody mm-hmm. and everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I said to James, if I could do this, you know, every couple weekends a month, I'd do it. Because it's so much fun mm-hmm. to be able to come alongside and bless and care for and just say, hey, how can I help? It's not the I, I believe too that the whole apostolic thing is it's not about the apostle. Yep. It's about the releasing, like you said. Yep. It's the raising up and releasing and resourcing. Yep. Everything we can do to see the younger generation, for me it's the younger generation be released. Yeah. And everything that we do today has to be for my grandkids, for your grandkids, mm-hmm. for my great grandkids. Right. Because we're, we want to pave a way that's not bound by religious tradition and things that will keep us hindered and, and will stifle what Holy Spirit wants to do. But we want to see that completely released and see this generation and this next generation so full of the presence of God that even even as uh, you know Peter's shadow healed people, why can't that happen again Come on. with this next generation, with our generation? With, I'm at the very end of the boomers, yeah. and I believe that God wants to do something with all of us. I don't believe that a church is Amen. one generation. Never. It's yeah. the Abraham, the Isaac, and the Jacob. It's the generations yeah. that make it healthy. Yep. 
So I don't know if that's enough, but yeah, that's a little bit. One of the most beautiful things I think about when, when I look, when I study the Old Testament is that the story and the tradition that they're, that we're hearing about is passed down typically around a campfire, mm-hmm. right? And I think if the church could adopt the identity of a campfire more mm-hmm. frequently, yeah. bring a little bit more authenticity, burn a little more wood, smell a little bit more like yeah. that fire. Even in our worship these days, like uh, I was recently at, with a group of worship leaders and I have a young guy that I'm discipling who wants to become worship leader here at Way. And he's so hurt because he wasn't good enough to be on the stage at a church. And then looking back and at, at the, what the church was putting out, it's mostly karaoke. They got these tracks and they're playing along to these mm-hmm. things. But when I'm hearing from the younger generation, the Gen, the Gen Zs and the younger millennials, is that they want authenticity more than that. Yeah. And they're tired of going to church and getting songs that they hear you know, on the radio polished and having it sound like that, having the, the machine digitally filling in the noise. They want real. They want raw. They want authentic. And I can't help but think if that's what they're looking for in their music and in their worship, that's what they want in their relationship yeah. with the church leaders as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, just look at what happened at yeah, the Asbury Revival. Yes. Yeah. There's a guitar and a piano. That's right. Yeah. It was just authentic move of God. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. that's all it was. It was even that even in the preaching, the, the fellow who preached yep. that first night, like he, you hear his testimony of like, man, I just didn't even have it together. It just didn't. And yet there was an authentic expression yeah. uh, from, from a, a man who loves Jesus. And then, yep. you know, things just happen because yep. of authenticity. Yes. So, phenomenal. It's incredible to think that we're in an era where we were doing for so long these programs and I did programs for over 20 years for youth and you, you would do these programs and you'd sow into these youth and you thought you were and then, you know, a couple of years later of them moving on and growing up, they're not serving the Lord anymore and you're like, well, well what did I do? Well, I wasn't having relationship with them. As much as they knew who I was and I knew who they were, it wasn't really a relationship. They heard me speaking. They got to see me playing fun games. They got to experience me, but they never got, I never got to experience them, the true them, the real them. And so if I didn't get to the authentic core of those people, right, you know, I feel guilty now of wanting to restore those relationships. Uh, and that's why I think the authenticity of way where we're in homes, you know, and, and you've heard here, just a guitar and a piano. It's all you need for a revival. It can happen in the home. Raise up your kids. Train up your kids. Uh, just whatever it takes, there's a hunger and a desire to worship. And there has to be an authentic relationship with the people that are around that worship. Yeah. And God will move in such a powerful way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I desire that for all of our churches. Yeah. I desire it for all of our homes. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, we're in a place where we're surrounded by incredibly large churches putting on powerful programs, doing things with budgets that I wish I had 1% of. <laughs> you know, 1% of some of our local mega churches' budgets could pay triple, uh, you know, Way's budget for the year. And when I look at that, 
and don't see them in their community. Now, the communities around us, there's big communities with tons of programs and tons of things happening that the community is organizing for the community. But there's nobody from our churches and nobody in those programs discipling. I think we've missed a mark. And I hope you guys agree with that. But if the community's creating programs to serve the community, we should be coming alongside those programs to also serve the community. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah. To, to, to be with the people where they want to be, yeah. not creating programs to bring them yeah. to us, go out to them. Yeah. And I, I'm driven to try. I love the idea that that it's you know church church isn't happening inside the, those four walls. It's yeah. it's when the people who have sought God and are just loving Jesus uh, be the hands and feet. They just go out into their community yeah. and uh, even get involved in uh, community outreach programs that are not run by churches. That's right. This it's just you're in the community. We've got a lot of great things happening that way in Simcoe um, with just the opportunities to be with people who have gone through a hard hard things in life and uh, so into them by loving and caring for them mm-hmm. uh, by by just showing up to a program showing up to a it's cooking night it's cooking mm-hmm. classes night and um, so we've got some great friends who are doing that she's teaching classes to people who don't have those skills they never got them growing up and so that's something that's a great need in the community it's also just a way of showing the love of god you know to people Uh, so yeah absolutely let me encourage all your listeners to to you know seek god and go that thing that's in your heart yes that's where god wants you to be and so just step out and, and and get involved i love it well i i love that you guys uh gave up some of your time with me today and uh Hopefully, uh, you know, you will tune in um, to more of what we're doing. And uh, I have him. Uh, I just want to give the mic over to James for a second. He's got, uh, you know, something that was on his heart. He wants to wrap the podcast with here. Yeah, just as I was, I was thinking and listening to all this wonderful conversation. I don't know anything about the podcast. We just met today, yeah. didn't we? That's right. But the, it's called The Way, right? That's right. And I had these thoughts as we were talking. I couldn't get out of my head. And do you remember the story of the road to Emmaus? Yes. And I don't know if this is where it came from, but that's all I could think of. is two guys just walking down a road. And they're trying to figure out God. And then Jesus shows up. Come on. To them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... And then I got thinking, that's the first time that Jesus showed up to somebody after he rose That's right. from the dead. And they're hanging out. They're just on a road. But there's these two guys just hanging out together on a journey, not in a church building, not going to the fancy smoke machines and skinny jeans church service. <laughs> they're just hanging out. Come on. And Jesus shows up. Yeah. So I just believe that this is just a word for you guys, that this is going to happen to you on your way, on on the way. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's listening today, that you got a safe place here to reach out to and meet Jesus. And he'll meet you on your road Mm -hmm. as you're hanging out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you for 
Well, I appreciate it. You uh, nailed the vision <laughs> way through and through in that. It's two guys on a journey going, what about God? And then he shows up. Is that right, eh? Come on, we'll yeah. take it. Yeah. <laughs> so, nice. That's great. Wow, wasn't that a great conversation? Thank you so much, Randy, Ed, and James, for stopping by to have this conversation with the audience of The Way Niagara Podcast. And I just want to say, if you're listening today and saying, I want that kind of connection, I want that kind of community, I encourage you to reach out to us on Facebook or at Way Niagara. .ca, we would love to start a conversation with you. And of course, both of those places are where you can find future episodes of the podcast. Next time, we will be continuing our conversation on Sky Jatani's book entitled, What If Jesus Was Serious About the Church? Going into section three, all about the family gathering. So thank you so much for tuning in. Bye for now.